Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Summer League is coming to a close. There is just one game left, but Evan Mobley has played his three games that he we were uh, kind of promised that he would play. Isaac Okoro has played its two, and I, I think it's about time for us to get a Summer League wrap-up completed. Joining me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, I would argue the second Isaac was done playing Summer League was over. <laughs> You're not mistaken. You're not mistaken. But I, I thought I should at least mention the fact that it was stated prior to Summer League even starting that Isaac was going to play two, Mobley was going to play three, because some people have insinuated that this some, is some, some conspiracy. Yeah, some some, pe- some, some well sourced folks <laughs> have claimed that this is some big conspiracy. But no, everything has gone according Open to Open your plan. third eye, Justin. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it is the outlook. Uh, for conspiracy theories so you know what we will just move on from from that um but i i do want to talk about summer league because it, it has been really interesting i mean it is summer league quality play there's no denying that um but i've consumed tons of it even beyond uh what what the calves were playing and i i really enjoyed myself i i i know basketball hasn't been away for too long but it was nice to to see all these fresh faces and given the crop of talent that is entering the the, the league with this 2021 draft um i i was just i was riveted because i i really do feel like the the league is getting a serious infusion of talent yeah i mean it was it was you got to see it from a lot of different spots uh, uh jalen green looks insane cade looks about as advertised, I would say. Yep. Um, like the the things that kept him from being a surefire pick popped out, um, but the playmaking and the <clears throat> the step back shooting was there. Uh, Jason Preston, of course, finally rounded into form <laughs> uh, today against the Jazz. He's been my my most anticipated person to watch. Um, but <clears throat> on a serious note, yeah, I mean the the league's in really good shape. I mean, even all the second year players this year look really really good. 
Yeah, you, you're right. Guys like Isaac Okoro are very clearly too good to be at Summer League, and, and that was fun to watch. Um, one thing that really surprised me, though, um, I, I was planning on starting off with the Cavs guys, but let, let's just get this out of the way first. One thing that did surprise me looking at the other guys is like Jalen Green and Cade being kind of shorter than anticipated really surprised me. Like I really felt Cade Cunningham was a legitimate six eight wing when I watched all the college film. He looked I mean, he big looked up there. Six six in the NBA. He's six six. He he has the same height as Isaac Okoro. Now, big difference for him is he still has that seven one wingspan. So like he he's very clearly a three and, and plays as such. But I, I was a little surprised that he was a little shorter than advertised. That 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 was something that really jumped out. I, I know we are the, the podcast of height watch, so I, I thought we would stay consistent I, with our brand. And, and how about the Cavs um, <laughs> co opting height watch? I mean. If if the acquisition wasn't a life changer for us, how about a recognition of height watch? And anytime our bits get Twitter recognized, account. anytime our bits get recognized, it, it is a, a very very. I don't fun know. Thing. I I just don't think anything's going to top greetings from Sexland making it onto the the opening cinematic. Yeah, but uh, height watch was in its own way. It's even more niche and ridiculous for an official NBA organization to be acknowledged. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm here for it though because at the end of the day sports are supposed to be fun and not taking ourselves seriously is a very big part of our brand. So anytime uh we can get the big account to do the same thing is always a good time. But let's get into it because folks Summer League was intriguing as hell from a Cavs perspective. Yes, there wasn't tons of uh guys that are kind of anticipated to make the big club uh but getting to see evan mobley on on the floor uh for those three games was really interesting uh i thought lamar stevens looked really good isaac coral really stood out and there's some Can we actually start with the marquee player for once yes uh, we, let's start with mobley this time around what, what, yes. what were your some of your thoughts with the uh the next two games that mobley played um i think the 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 2.5 games mobley played showed us everything that you know made him the third overall pick mm -hmm. i in, in both ways you know um the handle i let, let's start with the points of improvement because i do think that's in the interest of kind of being a, a good evaluator and what he's going to have to go work on the rest of the offseason which is kind of i mean what that's what richard jefferson said when he kind of schooled the person who our, our well-sourced friend uh, who was uh, indicating that him getting pulled with some conspiracy. It's no, you get, you get some stuff on tape to work on, then you go work on it. And mm -hmm. I think what Mobley is going to realize is his handle against NBA level athletes is not as good as it needs to be. While he can handle when he is, when that handle is challenged, there's a lot of, Hoo! there's a, mm -hmm. there's a freeze up that happens. Um, uh, and you know it's not quite as fluid as it, as it is. They tried running a little four or five pick and roll uh, in the third game, and I thought that was an interesting thing that they're gonna that he's gonna if he's gonna be like an elite offensive player, that's gonna have to be part of his game. Um, and running those big big pick and rolls, it's not there yet. Mm -hmm. I think that the strength, duh, we know this. I mean, every shot that comes up short is is strength. Every time he gets bumped out of position, strength. Um. And, you know, I, I do think the jumper is going to be a work in progress. I don't, I do not think it's as close as you would hope. Mm -hmm. um, what did you think about the stuff that he kind of has to work on? 
I, I was happy that there's a willingness to take shots because I, I think that's an important thing. I don't think he's ever really going to be abandoned at the three-point line and, and treated like an Andre Roberson type because his issue when it comes to the jumper is that it's still it, – it, there's a long process to launch that thing. It, it is a slow jump shot, and if you're giving him time, I, I think he's going to hit it more regularly regularity so i i think you're still going to see him draw attention in those ways um i i thought shutting him down obviously that was the plan but i I just didn't feel like there was anything more that we could see from him because the game reps that he's getting especially with isaac out are not close to the the reps or what he's going to be asked to do in the nba and i i actually think what he when he's practicing with Garland, Sexton, Okoro, and Allen in Vegas, who, who all of those guys showed up to support the team, to work out with them. I think that's probably more valuable. Those reps are more valuable than playing out there with Kevin Gailey, uh, Stevens, Broderick Thomas, Matt Ryan, and and, and the rest of the boys. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think people that are expecting him to come in and be the offensive savior in day one um, are going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, he's going to need to be a connector and a finisher right now. That's exactly what I was going to say. He he is going to be a connector. And I, I think even though he is pro- the, the franchise talent, the, the guy that we anticipate building around uh, in year one, like you got a lot of other guys that have been drafted high um, in recent years that have performed well. Uh, all the lottery picks seem to be solid picks at the very least. And I, I think... While he needs to add weight, uh, Jordan Zerm actually made this point and stole from my show notes. Um, but I do think that he doesn't necessarily need to add weight for the role that he's going to be asked to to play year one. I think him kind of being that high post connecting piece, he's going to draw enough attention there. Like he's enough of a threat to shoot from the the free throw line. Uh, he can blow by guys. He does have recognition of where guys are. And I think he's actually going to help generate three-point attempts for the Cavs team. Because, yes, we were short on three-point shooters last season. But I, I think another issue that we had was that we just ge- no one didn't generated gen- them. We did not generate three-point shots at, at a high rate. And you look at someone like Ben Simmons, who generates more threes than any player in the league without actually being a three-point shooter. These kind of guys that can make those plays, that can create opportunities, are really valuable. And if Isaac Okoro is more comfortable taking those catch-and-shoot looks, if Garland and Sexton are upping their attempts, I, I do think that... Um, Mobley's presence can really help the the Cavs in the three point department, even if he's not necessarily taking those. And uh, while so, I, yeah, I want to I want to disagree. Um, well, actually, I'm not going to disagree about weight. I don't really care about weight. I care about functional strength. And he's going to get knocked off his spots, even on the high post. We watched it happen in summer league, where mm-hmm. he'd post up at the nail and get bumped out another three fourth steps. I think that's really where the weight and the strength is a problem. I also think it's where on finishing mm-hmm. when he, he gets kind of, cause you know, when you're not, when you're kind of, uh, you know, top heavy, like he is right now and you get, you get bumped on the way to the rim, it really derails your path. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm, I don't think he needs to add strength so he can bang on power forwards in, in post-ups. And while that'd be great, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about, the way that you get clipped and bumped around and knocked at the NBA level, just moving through traffic. 
that that's certainly possible. I do think that there's going to be more space to operate, even though the Cavs weren't a great spacing team. Uh, just in the NBA, you're going to have more spacing than you would. I think with... people will attack him physically. It, it's possible, but there are other outlets for that. And, sure. and he's such an intelligent not... player that I do think that if you're overcommitting and you're attacking him physically, he can capitalize on, on that in some ways. But I, I do think that your concerns are valid. Like, I, I do let, think that's going to come Let up. me just say this. I'm not saying that he can't succeed at his current weight. I'm saying that being stronger is better. It just oh, is. Absolutely. Like, even for the role, even for the role he's playing, they mm-hmm. will be better off as he gets stronger. Oh, like we, yes. like we've seen with Anthony Davis. By the way, I think Anthony Davis is the perfect perfect comparison here because it's not like Anthony Davis is like yoked now. No, he's just a man and has man strength, and you know has worked on his core, worked on his lower body, and now Chris he Bosch, is another great example. Like, and now he's an actual strong. physical force. You know, like when AD hits people, it they move. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and that's really where Mobley is going to need to get. Yeah, and and I'm with you. I I think the four or five pick and roll is going to be something that you'll you'll want to see from him eventually, especially if that pairing with Allen is going to work. I am really excited though for kind of those situations where it is the two man game between Mobley and Garland. Um, like if you're going and you're trying to trap Garland, or, which we saw a lot of last year, where they they would really kind of show out, they'd hedge, uh, get double team him and kind of force him to to give the ball up. Having Mobley kind of work downhill in those four-on-three situations I, I think is going to be a great situation for the Cavs because he makes such smart reads, and the the fact that he's got such a big catch radius, you can get it to him. Jared Allen's going to be there in the dunker spot. You're going to have Sexton, Okoro, whoever on, on the perimeter. You're, you're going to be able to generate some good looks that way, and I think it's going to be a little more difficult for teams to commit to either trapping Garland or Sexton uh, the way that they were able to last year. And I I just think he's functionally going to be able to help the Cavs in a lot of ways in his rookie year, even though he is raw. And yes, the the weight is going to come up and and there's going to be moments where the inexperience comes through and and the lack of physical development. Uh, But I am really excited for what he can bring to the table. And I, I do think he's going to make the team better, even if it isn't as significant on the offensive end as some people might hope yeah but i mean for me i kind of expected it this way um i do think like if you are if we are like putting a letter grade on his offense at summer league relative to like you know like without grading on the curve without adjusting for expectations like a c plus yeah thought he was pretty okay kind of inefficient a better playmaker than i thought worse finishing was so good the passing so like Sure. Would I love to leave summer league the way maybe Rockets fans are feeling about Jalen Green's offense? Sure, but like Jalen Green's a summer league kind of player, um, and that's no you know pejorative to Green. It's just bucket getters thrive in summer league. Like we know this. Yeah. Um. And and that's not Mobley's game. Like Mobley's going to need to be paired with Darius Garland in the pick and roll and playing with you know plus connectors like Larry Nance and. Rubio um, and, and Ruby. God, he's gonna, Rubio is going to be great for him. And like, that's what I'm excited to see on the offensive end. And then the, on the defensive end, I thought, you know, as advertised um, again, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. I thought that the way he, he blocks shots in a way that you don't see shots get blocked. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the angles at which he gets to the ball. Cause like when I say that you're probably thinking him jumping super high and blocking a shot, 
you know, at the top of its arc or something like that. And that's not it. It's like the way he recovers and just swallows a shot from behind when someone thinks they've generated an angle on him. Um, the way he's able to get deflections on defense, pick up the ball and go run with it. Um, I thought, and then on the bad side, again, like I think his conditioning was not good enough. And I think that frankly, like I've said it, but the, the, he's never going to be the defensive anchor of a team until he really learns how to direct traffic and stay Mm -hmm. engaged the whole possession, every possession. Yep. That's what Draymond Green does. That's what Rudy Gobert does. Doesn't matter what role you're playing. If you are the anchor of the defense, you got to be talking. You got to be moving. You got to be engaged. You got to be snuffing out actions two, three steps in the, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay that he's not doing that right now. In fact, it would be pretty unprecedented for any <laughs> rookie, was. any 19 year old to do that. Um, but like, that's what, if I'm the coaches, I'm just going to say, like, oh, there you are, straight up and down again, arms at your sides. Yep. And like, and I would just be, I would just ride him like on that if I were part of this Cavs coaching staff where I'm like, this is the way you make us, you add just 10, ga- 10 wins to our regular season by existing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is one of those situations where I'm really happy that we have a coach that has a strong reputation on the defensive end with JB Bickerstaff. Like he's going to be pointing these things out. You have a veteran in Larry Nance that's going to be pointing these things out. Uh, Jared Allen. I, I actually thought. I know people made a lot out of Jared Allen when he would get frustrated on the court last year when people would blow defensive assignments. Um, but there there were a couple that were pointing out with sex and there were a couple that were pointing out with different guys. I love that. Like you should be in people's ears, especially as kind of the quarterback of the defense at the center yeah, position. Keep talking. Yeah, you you have to hold those guys accountable. I mean, I mean, Tr- think about- Tristan was great. Tristan was great at that. He he would yell at LeBron every time he blew an assignment. He was one of the few people that actually could speak up to LeBron. And, and I mean, you think about like having multiple people like that on a defense. You go think about like the Draymond Iggy lineups in Golden State. Like you're not getting away with loafing on a possession with those two out there. Exactly. And, and like, ideally that's where you start building that culture, but Evan's going to have to find his voice and he's going to have to find his energy level yeah, to, I, to be I, that I, kind of player. Cause he's not there yet. And yeah. frankly, neither is Jarrett. Like those two are both going to have to really like, they are on paper, just a d- insanely destructive defensive pairing. Mm hmm. Um, in practice, they're still 23 year olds and 19 year olds yeah. <laughs> and those guys aren't, aren't quite there yet. I don't think it, I don't think it's indicative of anything like that. They, that there's some ceiling that can't be reached because as players get older, they just get smarter and better at it. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see Jarrett take that next step and, you know, kind of help insulate Mobley where Mobley can just be more of a physical freak that just kind of not coast sounds so negative but like almost like just re- relies on his physical attributes kind of like anthony davis did early in his career yep and still does sometimes um <laughs> uh sorry i didn't want lakers nation to hear um uh but you know b- like escalating your effort level is and kind of your awareness of what's happening in the geometry of the floor is like what i'm really excited to see from him yeah, I, I completely agree. And the nice thing, too, is by all accounts, Mobley is an incredibly intelligent player that obsesses over the film that's always looking to get better. So I think having those voices around 
uh, he's going to absorb that like a sponge. And I'm really excited to see what this team can do on the defensive end. It's going to be a weird pivot for us to become a, a defensive team because that is very clearly what's going to happen. Um, but just the, the space that Mobley is able to cover on the defensive end when, when he's contesting, like Jared Allen is someone that can switch on to guards and wings, but we didn't see a ton of that last year because the Cavs were kind of playing that drop coverage. And I anticipate them to continue to do that because Mobley and Allen should be able to contain the offense to, to I will keep say those this. guys outside of the paint with how much ground they can cover. I will say this. The drop defense is probably what they should run if they want to win mm-hmm. um, because that is the lowest challenge defense to play intellectually. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't need to. Ideally, you're staying two on two in, a, yeah. in drop coverage, right? You're not involving a third. You're not involving four, two, three, four rotations. And, and I also with, think that teams are giving up the switch a little too willingly. Um, sure, like sure. It, th- that is definitely something that that we saw throughout the playoffs where teams would switch Brooke Lopez on a Chris Paul with no effort at all. And it's yeah. like, okay, it's well, like, well he, he's, he's okay. going to get his look. But with that said, with that said, I do think if they want to win games, drop coverage is the best. If they mm. want to unlock their defensive ceiling, I would love them to hard hedge. Like, especially with those two bigs with someone on the back line where a, a four on three uh, offensively with Jared Allen or Evan Mobley protecting the rim is less of a four on three than most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're not mistaken. <laughs> so, you know, like I would kind of love them to be chaos generators, especially mm-hmm. with those guards who just frankly just can't get over screen still. Like, I mean, as much as we... We love Darius's, uh, you know, we think he's starting to think the game better. Physically, He's let, he just is, doesn't quite have the ability to get over screens right now. And yeah. Sexton just still runs smack dab into people's chests. And a hard hedge is the highest risk outcome because you can mm-hmm. get absolutely cooked. But man, if, if, if you actually buy the, if there's two bigs that are capable of still playing big, but giving their guards time to get over the screen with a hard hedge, it's those two. Yeah, they're they're massive. They are massive. They are mobile, like quick twitch. They have active hands. Like I I think that there's a lot of space to get creative on the defensive end. And I I think that's where this team is going to have to hang their hat. Like um, I, I don't. I definitely still have some offensive concerns. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the spacing is going. and It's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I'm not anticipating a high offensive ceiling for this team next year. Uh, but I do think that the defense can be good. I, I think it can keep them in a lot of these games and, and really give them a puncher's chance, which is a lot of what we want to see next season, right? Like we, we want to see them in games, late in games. And like we, we've seen some bad offensive teams or teams that have no spacing get by on New York defense. Knicks were a four seed. Yeah. The Knicks are a great example. The The Pelicans had worse spacing than the Cavs and they actually ended up having a, a really good offense. Like, yeah, there, there are ways to get creative and to kind of overcome some of your shortcomings. Um, but I, I definitely think that this team is going to have to hang their head or hang their hat on the defensive end of the floor. And it's going to be on Garland and Sexton more than anybody else to keep this team kind of afloat offensively. Like I do think that they have smart connectors. I, I think Mobley facilitates in that role really well. I think Larry Nance is going to bring a lot to the table as some, like someone that can bring continuity where you have two power forwards with Mobley and, and Nance that can create for others and, and kind of run some offense out of the high post. So um, I, I think that's a positive, but 
man, we really need Garland. Like Gar- Garland, probably more than anyone else, really needs to step up next year because Sexton was already scoring at a, a high volume. Yeah, I don't high think efficiency. I do not think it is fair to ask more of Sexton as a scorer. Yeah, Garland needs to be the guy, and I mean, I I've been on that train for a while. Um, I really enjoyed Chris Manning's uh, interview with Darius Garland, where Garland said that his confidence is higher than ever, and that. Uh, he, he was not satisfied with last season at all and, and feels that he is a much better player. Um, that all got me very excited. Uh, but at the end of the day, those guys are going to need to be the driving force for the offense. And then as this group grows together, you're going to see Mobley take on more and more responsibility. Because I, I do think his offensive ceiling is very high. I think his ceiling <laughs> is tremendously high overall. Um, well, but he went we're third go- overall. We're, we're going to to have to ease him into that. And, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That, that is very, very normal uh, for, for a rookie. And I, I think um, asking him to stick with what he does best while other guys are, are doing what they do best uh, is probably the best way to go about next season. Couldn't agree more. Let's move on to Okoro. Um, I think that Okoro was as good as you could have asked him to be. Um, I think that reports of a leap might be a little overcooked to me i think that he looks better i don't mm-hmm. think he looks like a player like i maybe i'm misremembering so please don't hold me to accountable twitter but i kind of remember like jalen brown's second year of summer league when it was like whoa this guy got a lot a lot better maybe it was him i can't remember i think it was him um and like i think isaac got better i think he got like i think he got better at all the stuff he was pretty good at Last season, I think the handle is still shaky. Um, I think the jumper, we'll see. He just didn't shoot enough for us to really know. Right. But but the finishing and the physicality on drives is much improved. Yes. And he is able to, you know, we say it all the time. It doesn't really matter how you generate the angle. It matters that you generate the angle. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have gotten better at generating easier finishing angles as he attacks the hoop. Because yeah. last year he was putting up all sorts of English on his jumper on his layups. Sometimes it worked and it looked really good. Sometimes he missed really, really bad. And I think that he's gonna have easier layup attempts this year. Like and that's why, by the way, I'm gonna get on a tangent, but that's why the like Steph versus Kyrie finishing debate on NBA Twitter was so dumb. Because mm-hmm. like who's the more skilled finisher and like people who like fundamentally don't understand the conversation are like well, Steph's numbers at the rim are better. And it's like, yeah, but they're all wide open layups because everyone flew <laughs> past him for at the from 24 feet away. Like, he might be a more effective finisher, but the more skilled one was never in question, you know? Um, like, but like, that's kind of what, but like in the inverse, even though, you know, we fought on Team Kyrie in the Kyrie Steph Wars uh, back in the day, like the inverse, it's still good to generate easy looks. And Isaac seems like he's better at doing those now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and to correct you, uh, Jalen Brown, his second year at Summer League was actually worse than his first. He averaged 10 points a game on 30% shooting, 25% Okay, not him. Not him. Then. Not, I forget not, who it was. Not Jalen Brown. So Did he go there three years? I don't think Jalen went three years. I, I, I haven't checked his third year. His first year, he did better. But Where do you even check work. Summer League? Is it Real GM? Yeah, Real GM. Okay. Nice well played. So once again, Isaac Okoro is still ahead of Jalen Brown on schedule. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that That is how I'm going to frame it. And Dylan Windler still had a better age 24 season than Duncan Robinson. But no, I, I, Isaac, 
I can't. Uh, no, he didn't do both. He didn't do both. Damn it. Isaac's uh, no, ability he, to contribute. Uh, you're only looking at his. Ah, uh... Uh, no, you're right. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, I, I think Isaac has more kind of functional skills. Like, I, I think the improvements to ball handling, the, the quicker release on the jump shot is going to fit in really well for what he's being asked to do. I don't think he's going to necessarily be a driving force for them offensively, but I, I think it, it's at least positive skills for him to develop. Uh, we're probably never going to see him run the point, uh, just realistically no. speaking uh but just being able to run a pick and roll like if the the ball swings to him and, and he's able to do something with it I, I think that's a real positive so the the fact that his passing looked as good as it did like he he made some really good reads uh once again the the spacing was just awful with the the summer league roster and, and there, there wasn't a point guard for these guys to play with but i'm in on isaac okoro i was not yeah, i I'm, I'm more in on him than i was before summer league yeah, for sure. I, I think that I, if he looked exactly the same, I would have been bummed. I think. I think I would have been like, oh, but now I've seen some 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 growth in some pretty important areas, and that feels really good to me. I mean, and by the way, I did say that I don't think the handle's taken a huge leap. But with that said, like, uh, if you watched his the second summer league game when he got when uh, they were running uh, pick and roll at the top, and it was kind of like a soft trap on him. And he split the defense with that kind of uh, go-ahead dribble, mm-hmm. where he kind of pushed the ball out and then and went up to. That was some real craft. I don't think that we saw that kind of craft from him last year at any point. It was very tight and compact always, um, and I feel like he got kind of loose and um, extended in a way that he hasn't thus far in his career on that play. So I do think he's working on it. I think he's getting better. I just think, like, if you're looking for, like, a star leap, I don't think that's here. Oh, I don't, but, I don't like, think that's coming here. But, uh, but, like, that doesn't – I mean, that was never our expectations, right? And so seeing well, the, the, what we the, did the see – The starting point on his offense was low. Like, let's be honest. It, it's so low that that a leap to, like, a solid offensive contributor is, is a significant I mean, we were leap. earnestly saying <laughs> – I mean, I was earnestly saying they should bench him for Torian Prince if they want to win last year. Mm-hmm. Right. No, so I, I do think that it, it's all relative, right? Like, I, I – I can see a pretty significant leap coming and and it's fun that there's two months more like uh, by all accounts this guy has not left the gym all summer and he will continue to do that so summer league is really good for kind of having that midway kind of check-in point uh this is what I struggled with this is what worked and then continuing to work on that uh, and continuing to work on his body and remember this is his first summer league (laughs) oh my god yeah good point uh, w- one of the concerns you brought up with his rookie year, or not concerns, but disappointments, was that he wasn't as much of an above-the-rim player. And it looks like he's starting to get above the rim. How are you feeling about that? Um, I, I knew you were going to want to talk about this, and I know I'm going to be a buzzkill. I still think when he does, like, so when we're talking about above-the-rim finishers, we're talking about dudes who, in traffic, get above the rim. Mm-hmm. That's not normally Isaac. Like he had when he's got a running start, when he's got two, three steps of open air, oh, he's yamming it. And he can <laughs> do that for sure. I still think the way he prefers to finish is low. Mm-hmm. Like if he's going up with he's not he isn't someone who's going to like Zach Zach Levine where he can he'll like sky and then like scoop in a layup. I don't really think that's Isaac's game. Yeah. I, I think Isaac is still going to be a below the rim finisher in that sense. But with that said, feels good to watch him yam on like three four people buddy <laughs> th- those plays were so <laughs> much fun and 
And I, I like that he's more in control as he was approaching the basket. Totally. Like That was one of the bigger things with his handle where there were times where he legitimately just kind of lost the handle as he was going up for a layup. Or which, just had bad feet, you know? And like your footwork goes a long way, man. And, and it's so much better. And he had some really crafty finishes at the rim. I mean, he finished really well at the rim in college. And well, like we saw some of that craft with the Cavs, but I just feel like his footwork and the handle, it's functionally so much better than it was last season already. Like you can just tell that it's making me more optimistic with him because Okoro was when we were doing our pre-draft evaluations he was my number two guy behind Okongwu um but I, I really just kind of felt that those guys were solid starters like that was kind of my vision for them that was my expectation and as an optimist I mean when you're really looking at how high I am on Garland how much I like Allen how much I like Mobley like how, how much I, I've been in on sex and uh since he's won me over if I was also all the way in on a coral, like it, it would take my unreasonable predictions to a even more unreasonable level. But I'm in on a coral now. Like I, I at least saw the flashes that make me understand why people feel like he has a really high upside. Like when Dave Dufour came on our, our podcast and he said that he believes he has the highest ceiling out of anyone on the Cavs before last season, I, I just couldn't even like figure out what the path is. And I get it now. Like I, I understand where how that could potentially come to fruition. I wouldn't bank on it, but I'm starting to get a better feel for what his upside can be in the NBA. And and that's a really exciting thing. Yeah. I mean, the bully ball is the play. That's the move. And he is a physical freak. Um, And just, and like, here's the thing that we've always said with him. He just has to be okay on offense to be a really, really impactful player. Yeah. Um, He was a long way from okay on offense last year, in my opinion. Uh, especially when you consider the the shooting woes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, with that said, like, I think that he is very much trending in the right direction. I just want to see if that, that jumper looks as confident as it does, did in Summer League. Yeah. And there there is nothing to be gleaned. Honestly, my biggest sample. thing is I want to see, and he wasn't getting these opportunities in Summer League, and this was part of a, what comes with not playing with a point guard. He didn't get catch-and-shoot looks. No. He, he, he got like had, one or two from Mobley. He had a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities last year where he turned that down or drive or, or, just or, or jump, pass it just up. Bricked it. Or, or bricked it. Yeah. The, the fact that his jumper is more compact and it's quicker, I want to see how that works on catch-and-shoots because if he can do that even at like 35%, that makes a real big difference. That, that 35 re- at volume is, is important. Yeah. Not 35, but wide open, and only if he's completely wide open. But, like, he he took some contested threes last year. Like, he was one of the guys who actually got him up. They just didn't go in. Yep. Um, Especially as the the year progressed when he and Garland were taking more threes. And And JB clearly was like, shoot the damn ball, Isaac. Uh, it's very clear that the coaching staff was emphasizing that. So um, it, it's all it, th- those are all positives like that. That is things that are at least trending in the right direction. But again, with Isaac, the same as with Mobley, I just really want to see it with everyone else, because how they function within the context of the rest of the young core is the most important thing. Uh, were there any other guys that stood out to you uh, as we look at the summer league roster? Yeah, Roderick really stro- didn't have he had a rough go. <laughs> um, you know, that was that was disappointing. I wanted to see him play well. Uh I we already touched on Lamar in the last pod, so I don't think we need to talk about Lamar too much. But I one player I would like to talk about is Trayvon Blewett, who is mm-hmm. I want to say he's like twenty six now. He's yep. a little bit older, uh been around for a while. I thought he was gonna have a spot in the league 
out of college. Um, well, especially I, how well he played in his first summer league in 2018. Like yeah. he had multiple 23, 26 point games for the Pelicans. I like his game. Uh, he is someone who I, I, he had a bad year in summer league last year. I mean, he might have been hurt. He shot like 26 well, percent from two three. years ago. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, G League. That's what I meant. Oh, gotcha. um, uh, um, but like uh, in the actual his last proper G League season, like he was you know 15 points on six three point attempts a game and making two two or three and like uh, I just if if you were to go with a kind of an end of roster spot. And yeah, if I was picking between Broderick Thomas and Blewett, I would I would probably go with Blewett right now. I, w- I would of, as well. I, in terms I mean, of what they add to the roster, and like I know that like half of our listeners have stopped listening as we talk about the twelfth and thirteenth men on the roster, but like it does matter. Like after last season, how many minutes went to these guys? It matters more than you think it does. And like I think a, a, a an older guy, a guy with a, a, a proven jump shooter. Um, he, he's a six six shooter. I, you yeah, don't have I mean, to really spend a lot of time selling it. Like it, it, no, it's what I like we him. Need. It's what and we I don't need think more he's than that. So bad on defense. No, it, and, and like we can kind of afford to cover for guys defensively at this point. Like w- this is not supposed to be a perfect roster. We are not talking about a title contender. We are talking about a team that maybe can compete for a playing spot. Like that is the goal for this roster. So bringing in Blewett uh, rather than Broderick Thomas, I, I think. That that's kind of the way that I would lean it if I was making that decision. Um, like the age, I think is going to hurt him. Just being twenty six, you know. I mean, I think Kobe's valued these these younger guys that you know he can lock up on a three year, mostly non guaranteed deal. Um, but like, if if I'm just trying to win games and I'm picking between those two guys, because Broderick is unguaranteed reported, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. If, if I'm, I would, I would go with Blue. I think he showed so much um, in terms of being a play finisher, uh, being someone who was could shoot without a conscience. Like just thinking about what this team needs, it you can see a world in which this guy comes in and actually like, so like anyone with that 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 roster slot, you're really like, what if they somehow make it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. That's kind of the hope is like maybe something happens and and something clicks with just in the right situation, right time, right place. And there's someone we can kind of build a career for. And I see the path for that for Blewett on this team. Um, maybe and If it, I'm maybe, being perfectly honest, I'd probably rather give a two-way spot to Matt Ryan than Broderick Thomas at this point. Like a 6-7 uh, shooter. Like, yeah, I just, we, I just, I don't, just don't see any functional need. I, I don't see any functional need for Broderick. And, and like that that's harsh. I, I thought that he gave them some good minutes last season. He did. But at the end of the day, like you have... Garland, Sexton, Rubio, they're taking up a lot of those guard minutes. Um, maybe Dotson, I think, is still here. I was, right? was going to say, I'd probably rather give the, the minutes to Dotson than Broderick Thomas. Like, I let's would, be honest. For sure. Especially would, for if sure. Thomas is being shot happy the, the way that he was in summer league. Yeah, you know, I would rather. probably going to get some minutes of the two, depending on what they do with the at the wing. Right. Yeah, well, I, I mean, between Garland, Sexton, and Rubio, if. Sexland is getting 32 minutes each, and Rubio's getting 25 off the bench. That leaves seven minutes, seven guard minutes for for someone else. Like there, there's not a lot of minutes there, and who knows? Like you might sign a, a third point guard as well. You you might take a shot on someone like Frank Nilakina. Uh, like 
I, I would rather go that route and and give that two way spot to someone like Matt Ryan or or, or Blewett. Like I, I think those guys just being big wing shooters is exactly what they need. That you can plug and play those guys. I I would still anticipate the Cavs trying to add another wing, uh, but before the the season starts. But if you're giving one of those spots to one of these guys that's on the summer league team, I'd probably lean that way over Broderick Thomas. Uh, the other guy that uh, deserves at least a little bit of credit, I, I think, is uh, Fiondu Cabangeli. Um, I, I thought he was pretty solid defensively. Don't mind him as a depth depth piece. Um, uh, our buddy Drew from the Discord likes to play good or Canadian uh, with me, and I, I'd probably say Canadian more than good when it comes to Cam and Gelly, but I, I don't mind what he brings to the table. He's, he's he shouldn't still... be that. I don't think he should be the team's backup five, though. I, I would love to see Hartenstein back. Um, I, I mean, at this point, isn't the backup five Kevin Love? Yeah, but uh, I think we're just all a little skeptical about that until we see him in the on the court. Um, so I I don't know I I feel like I don't think Kevin Galley should be your 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 breaking case of Kevin Love injury or buyout plan. Oh, at the I, I mean, at, five. At, even at this point, like you, I think there's got, better guys on the free agency you've market. You've got Allen, you got Mobley, you got Larry, you got Kevin Love, you've got Dean Wade. That's like a that, good point. That you is probably five wouldn't bigs. need to play anyone. That that is five bigs that I, I would play over. Like, which these, is which is really a case for just not rostering him. Like if it like, well, Cabin Gelly, like you, you keep him as a fifteenth man and a non guaranteed contract, yeah, right? That's like fine. that, that's that's what he's currently on it reportedly. So I, I would assume that you keep him around. Um, these are but, tough decisions, though, man. Because like Cabin Gelly was good for them last year, and I thought he acquitted himself really well in summer league. It's just you know like the talent level isn't all the way there, you know, yeah. um, uh, for where you kind of need it to be. Uh, if you need him to play minutes, but you know that, like, gosh, if the guy just gets ten percent better at the jumper, he's an NBA player. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> Isn't that so crazy that like the margins are so thin? They Whereas, really like, are. If he adds just like a degree of arc on that jumper, <laughs> it just looks better and goes in more, and he has a place as a stretchy big. I mean, it's at least he's got touch, right? Like, uh, in theory, that could come along and and no it's like, not implausible it, and he, he's someone like it's not like he's been in the league for a long time he was literally the pick after windler or uh, i think the pick before windler he was one one pick away from windler either way um so that's some uh some context there when it comes to cabin galley the final thing i want to touch on before we wrap this up carter i need your thoughts on what jared allen said uh, about the the team's window because i saw the outrage over him saying in two three years we could be a five seed and people said that that was the most depressing thing that they have ever heard uh from around the Cavs. and i thought we were all on the same page i thought that this year you're competing for a playing spot two next years year you're hoping you're at the end of the playoffs two years and... would be the following year so if you're a five seed in 2022 2023 that would be great honestly with with how good the the east is getting uh, the the following season that would be great. Like if you went from playing to seven seed to five seed, that is solid growth for a roster that would still have a core all under twenty five years old. Yeah, I mean, all right, you know, Jeff Nomina and the DM said it just right. You know, it's just not what you normally hear a player say. I like honesty, um, man. Uh, but like I was like, yeah, that sounds good. But I knew people were gonna latch on that the second they 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 heard it. You know, people are hungry. They don't. I think there's gonna be people. I think 
that if the Cavs have the ninth best record in the East next year, there will be a vocal contingent of Cavs people that are grumpy about it. Oh yeah, I. I so it's like so. I'm, if you're and not I'm not even caring people, about that. I'm just saying from a realistic so like, standpoint, like. So what I'm saying is, like, those people are going to be pretty grumpy unless they're like a winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I guess if that's, it's not an unreasonable bar to be happy with your team. You know, for them to win games, yeah, it, win more than they lose, but like. It like in terms of kind of where they are, I I, th- I didn't think anything Alan said was unreasonable. Yeah, I mean the benefit of the play-in is it gives like a nine or ten finish in the past would be really depressing, but now it actually gives like a goal for a team that's looking to build around a young core. Like if they got the ninth seed, yeah, you you've got two games to potentially make the playoffs, like Memphis did. They they weren't wouldn't have made the playoffs in a regular circumstance, but hey, now you get almost playoff games. And that would be a really great experience. And if the following year you're a five seed, um, I would be thrilled. <laughs> like that, that's even that's optimistic even by my standards. But like if that's the kind of thing that would make you really depressed, you might want to just little less emotional investment in the team because you, you got to yeah, keep the I mean, expectations realistic. It is I I just get excited for realistic <laughs> expectations. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I mean, you know, all I care about is is the team getting better every year. I really, that's all I've ever cared about. I think that that's why I could be accused of being overly optimistic on this rebuild. Because I think the team's gotten better every year. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think this is the year where you hope for a more appreciable leap uh, in terms of the outlook of the team, especially with the talent infusion of Evan Mobley. Yeah. But, you know, to each their own. I mean, I'm not going to tell people how to fan. But I mean, if you had a reaction to that story, like, I don't know, man, it's a guy who just signed a long term deal. He's trying to explain why he's hyped about it. <laughs> like, I well, and also it's the people that sit there and they complain that athletes give these canned answers and boring answers and they're not honest. Well, I appreciate honesty, man. Like, don't don't jump down players throats when they do give you some honesty. If in two years you're a five seed. We're laughing. I'm I'm thrilled with that. Well, I mean, as as we've always said a thousand times over, uh, all the jokes go away if the team starts winning. Yep, yep. Things so things, so yep. like in a lot of ways, and the frankly, the drama the, too. Like things yeah. get easier when you win. Well, like, maybe things not get for the Cavs. <laughs> um, but this, this time it would be without LeBron. So yeah, there's there's more LeBron, there's more of a likelihood that it would be drama free. But with that said, like in a weird way, like it's all the ball is in the org's court. You know, like if they win, if they win 10 more games than anyone expects them to next year, that'll shut people up. Yep. And I, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to know that it's almost that simple. I cannot wait to, to get into kind of I can't seeing how we got to wait two months. I, I hate that, but I can't wait to start like breaking down how they stack up with other teams in the East. Cause the, it, it is going to be a really interesting discussion. There's a lot of teams that. Uh, probably look a little better on paper, but I do think that there's interesting opportunities for them. Uh, I really, really, really like that the whole young core was in Vegas working out together. I think that's so important for developing chemistry continuity. Like that needs to be their edge, especially with a young team. So we'll be getting into that on future podcasts, but 
for today, I, I think we can wrap it up here. I want to thank all our listeners so much for uh, all your support. We really do appreciate it. Um, if you guys want to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.